0: Welcome everyone, I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show, inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziggler. Our focus here is you and your personal development. The way to have more tomorrow is to become more today. So we bring you the best of today's world influencers and today's best messages and discover how we can all apply new and classic methodologies of personal growth to our lives. In this episode, we talk about victim speak Chances are you're doing it and we want to help you stop. You daily, if not hourly, all of us, not just you, me too, speak a series of words that take away your personal power, that steal your opportunity for power and control of your life. And you may think it's benign, but it absolutely is not. That's what you're going to hear in this show. And I brought on a special guest to discuss the issue. Uh, We have a dramatic, really, it's it's a mind hack, which I actually am not a big fan of the whole hack terminology as I don't believe they generally exist. I mean, everything is just a process tried and true but this is one that is it's hard not to give the hack label too as it's such a significant mind and life bender and it's seemingly small simple not easy the premise is here in many ways we become a culture of victims we justify and blame at an alarming rate if right away you think hey I don't I, I'll challenge you on that uh, because that's what I thought too, or would think as I'm not prone to placing blame on other people. And I take responsibility for myself or I, I strive to for sure. But what about circumstances? And even there, my first thought is no, I don't make excuses for things and blame the circumstances. But then I started listening to what I say and how often I make statements starting with these words. I have to blank. I've got a blank. I need to blank. And it's just kind of human nature. It's no different than when we say to someone, hey, how are you doing? And we aren't really asking how they're doing. It's just a way, a cliche thing to say hi, especially, you know, in America. Well, Likewise, we habitually say things like, well, okay, I've got to go to work now. And I got to pick up the kids. Oh, oh my gosh, I need to clean the house. These are all, in truth, victim-type statements, and they place the blame on an object or circumstance or task, and it takes away from our personal responsibility and the reality that pretty much, as you're going to hear in this show, 100% of all we do or uh, the things we want, they are the things we want and choose really to do when you back into it. So I asked the question to the Ziegler audience, do you think it would be possible for you to replace all these statements, I have to, I've got to, I need to, with I want to, I choose to, or, you know, I'm going to. And the very first response was, yes, absolutely. And the second one said, well, yeah, if you want to lie to yourself, that's a good, uh, that's a good overview of the show. And the discussion went on from there. So I brought on a special guest, Dan Miller, my dad, and the reason why I divulge right as soon as we get started here. And speaking of my dad, he is reopening his membership group that just gets rave reviews. It's 48 Days Eagles Dot com, uh, on November 19th, two th- I'm sorry, November 14th, 2019. A- and this is a place where you can engage with others like you who are starting businesses and pursuing the careers and lives that they love. You can go check it out and get in line at 48dayseagles.com. Uh, a quick note on this show, folks, before we get started. I realized I forgot to share something important as you're going to hear in the show. As we talk about going about the day and speaking to others, it's going to seem odd to say, instead of like, Hey, I got to go to the meeting to say, I choose to go to a meeting now, or I get to go to a meeting. It's, it sounds and feels goofy. Okay. I get, I get that. It's one thing what we say to ourselves, another, when we're talking to other people. So what I have been striving to do, and I just forgot to say it in the show is to simply say, Hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go grab lunch. Hey, I'm going to go to a meeting now. Uh, hey, I'm going to go pick up the kids. Totally fine. Not weird to say. And so much healthier than that thing of, hey, I've got to do whatever. You can even hear it in the tone. When you say, I got to go do whatever, it's got this, oh my goodness, feeling to it. When you say, hey, I'm going to go do this, it just has a positive feel. And again, what we say programs us. So I'm going to dive in with my dad, Dan Miller, and why I asked him to guest this special episode right after I share some valuable products and services with you. All right. Well, to kick us off here, dad, and the reason why I asked you to do this came from an inner, uh, I was interviewed probably two or three weeks ago for another podcast. They interviewed me and I don't know the question exactly that brought this up, but what I found myself relating to the host, as far as my own background, I guess, in some things was you and the example that you had set for me of Never having an excuse. Now, I say never. Obviously, that's a big word. But generally, in my life experience with you, in my upbringing, in my growing up, and seeing you go through lots of stuff, good and bad, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and a business that succeeded and a business that didn't. And you know, the year that we were driving the Cadillac Eldorados and the year we were driving the embarrassing cars that I didn't want my friends to see – on a satellite, uh, yeah. That I. It, the point is, it never occurred to me. So here I am, forty-eight years old. A couple weeks ago, and it never germinated. Uh, you know, it, it, with clarity in my mind, that I don't recall you. I can't go back and remember you blaming something. The, and you talked about that. You've talked about that. I've seen it in your writing before that you don't blame the economy. If the economy is bad, you can still sell and you talk about it. But I, it's still different for me to go back as a kid and to think about, man, do I ever remember you putting blame on another person? Do I ever remember you putting blame on the economy? Do I remember you putting blame on on the weather on the way. I really don't. It's not to say that you did not but I sure can't come up with a memory. It seems pretty telling, doesn't it? All right. (laughs) So there's my testimony to you of, 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 I don't remember you uh, ever speaking. Can I say victim speak? How's that? Can I summarize that you I've never witnessed you be a victim. You seem to have always taken personal responsibility for wherever you were even though I know there are things from your own childhood that you struggled with, have struggled with, um, were were frustrated about, maybe even bitter at times. I, I remember some of those times where you were frustrated at things from your, you know, from your parents, from your dad, from your childhood, whatever. But that's that's different uh, than actually putting blame. I don't think I ever saw you do it. So there you go. There's my testimony.
1: All right. Well, I'll accept that. Okay. And here's the deal. I knew you would. I'll, I'll accept that. And not because I'm looking for accolades or a star in my crown, because what you described, I believe that 100% my life is better as a result of that. I see it as totally self-defeating to point fingers and blame. It cripples you from having a point from which to move forward. So absolutely, every situation, if somebody runs into me, you know, runs a stop sign and runs into me, I'm going to be looking for, you know, how can I make a new friend and get this car fixed? My, my Corvette is in a shop right now because a 16-year-old backed into me. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Didn't uh, you? Yeah, it's in the shop right now. 16-year-old backed into me. I didn't even have the car at the time. I had it in a shop getting new O2 sensors on it. And the guy who owns the shop drove it home to reset the check engine light. Oh, no. It was sitting at his house, and a friend of his kid backed into it. Goodness. Now, here, it, this is probably a good story to, to start with. So he called me, of course, was mortified, and I was not thrilled. I mean, the car is absolutely immaculate in every way. You know, had a, a new paint job on it, $4,000 paint job on it when I bought it. It's absolutely gorgeous Corvette, 1998 Corvette with uh, 72,000 miles on it. So the kid backs into it and now it, it's crunched. It'll never be the same. The guy who owns the shop who had done the work in my car, of course was not happy. And he said, well, at least I can do it. He says, I won't charge you anything for the repairs I did. I said, no, wait a minute. This was an accident. It was at your house. You did the work. That's totally separate issue. It's unfortunate that the car was at your house and a kid backed into it. Granted, but it's not your fault. I owe you for the work that you did. You did that. That's a separate issue. He says, oh man, you know, he says, no, I'm happy to just, I said, no, you pull my invoice. I need to pay you for what you did. He obviously was not expecting my response. He pulled the invoice. It was like $670. I wrote the check. To me, I would see, I was not gonna include him in any blame for that. It was an accident. Yeah. And instead of just saying, well, yeah, you know, you screwed now, I'm inconvenienced. And I am, I've got a rental truck right now that I'm driving. <laughs> and my car's not here. Um, but that that's an example. Yeah, I'm not gonna blame him. I'm not gonna blame the 16-year-old. The 16-year-old who backed in it is he's absolutely aghast. Corvettes are his favorite cars. He was driving his sister's car. It had tinted windows. My Corvette is all black. Yeah. He just simply didn't see it and backed into it. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for the kid. Yeah. It's gonna, but but I, it's going to up his insurance. He's got the guilt and shame, whatever. I'm not going to add to that by pointing fingers at him. Hey, it happens. Let's move forward. Well, all three of us involved, let's move forward. Uh, and, and that's
0: incredibly uh, countercultural in yep. our blame society these days. The thing that strikes me is regardless of the money, what betterment that was for your own heart outside for you. That's what I'm, it's back to, I talk about her way too much. I think Shanti Feldhahn and her 30 day kindness challenge and her, what struck me and her main message is being kind, Great if that's good for another person. Great if they give you reciprocity, but it's far secondary to what it does for your own heart and well-being. And that's what strikes me about what you did Right there, and I think part of this, Dad. I mean, I know you've been counseling people for years, uh, life as a life coach, as a career coach, but helping people along. So I'm sure you have seen this and helped people see their own victim mentality and working themselves out of that. I get that, and you would have learned that in later life. But again, I'm back here to childhood before you were doing any of this stuff. You had a car business, and speaking of cars, you know, you were back on the car lot and doing things like that. And even back then, and it is curious to me if that was, how did that get to be who you were then? I mean, was that from your own, uh, was there an example? Was there a cognizance or are you, uh, is this a thank God moment of having that mentality?
1: You know, it's hard for me to unpack all of the reasons that went into that. You know, I grew up, my mom and dad were very kind people. There's no question about it. Coming from their... Mennonite Amish background, you know, word is bond. There were always those things that were good ethics and kindness that I saw there, but it didn't translate. You know, my dad didn't have a business that connected him with other people. So I didn't have a lot of examples of that. So I don't know, but I've always been a voracious reader, as you know, Kevin, Mm -hmm. and just in reading about things, you know, reading your mentor and mine as well, you know, Zig Ziglar and others, Jim Brown, Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, Paulian yep. Hill, Earl Lighting, yeah, all those guys, they all talk about this. None of those guys, none of those guys that we would consider masters of achievement are pointing fingers at other people yep. and finding yep. excuses for their lot in life, no matter what that is.
0: And, that, and that's, that's interesting though. I mean, I, even I'm wondering about, thinking back to your dad, my grandpa, I would venture to say he didn't allow you to make excuses either. And that may have gone too far on the stern side and the lack of grace, but I would venture to say he didn't leave a lot of room for you to make excuses for
1: yourself in your childhood. I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, we were very, we were taught to be very humble, very quiet. Now there it went to the extreme that if, you know, a neighbor came over and maliciously, you know, poured gasoline in your yard, you know, you just wave at him as he left and that's it. But it was still a very clear message that there's no benefit to be had by blaming and carrying it further by being angry. You know, I hear from people every day who have lost their jobs. And a lot of those people, that, well, I've got a case for discrimination, right? Sexual mis- discrimination, age discrimination, whatever. And I'm saying, how could you possibly win? if you pursue taking that course of action, what would be an, an outcome? Now, they may get a little money or whatever, but do you really want your job back? Do you want to force them to take you back? Well, obviously that would be stupid. To me, there's a whole lot of negative energy to be burned there, which stops you in your tracks from moving forward in a positive way. Why not just draw a line in the sand and move forward? Even if you feel like it was unfair, wrong, and it's there's some kind of a legal technicality that you may be able to pursue. I just think that's really a waste of time. Move forward, do things that benefit you instead of wasting time trying to harm or blame somebody else.
0: Okay, so obviously there's a big lead-in to what probably looks seemingly small in the question that I posted. But as I mentioned to you beforehand, I literally, as I continue... To hear messages on personal responsibility, on being a product of your decisions, not blaming your circumstances, people, whatever. I started listening to my own verbiage or thinking about my own verbiage and going, gosh, what am I saying? Because I realized there are some things in my life that I am, you, can I, I don't know if you've got a better terminology, but I'm, I'm using victim speak to. I'm using, oh, s- yeah.
1: It's so pervasive. It slips into our verbiage all the time. I have to go to the grocery store. I have to stop at the library. You know, I have to go pick up the dry cleaning. And that verbiage makes it seem like we're being forced to do something we don't want to do. Why would we do that? Let's just flip it and acknowledge that we make those choices. Thank goodness we get to make those choices. If it's going to work, we can choose not to. Now, we may not like the consequences, but we don't have to. We can choose something else. So if we go to work on Monday morning, it's clear I have chosen. I get to.
0: Okay, so with that, yesterday, Dad, you'll appreciate this. I interviewed Mark Batterson. All right. um, Who I've been a fan of his early book, In a Pit. I think it was his actually first published book, real, I think he's self-published a little one in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Really like that book. He has a new one out called, um, um, shoot, where is Blessings doubled, I think is what it is. Uh, and we talked about that yesterday and what, uh, something that jumped out for me is as we seek blessings, however we define those, but let's go ahead and put it in the material category that we, we tend to put the, put that towards sometimes. And he said, blessings, Come with generally complications. I thought, well, that's interesting. Let's talk, let's break that down. He said, You want the blessing of more money in a big house? You're gonna have some complications to go with that, which hit me on the head because how often do I I've really struggled in latter years with going, oh my gosh, it's snow to foot, which I used to love the snow, but now that foot of snow, I gotta plow it. All right, guys, I gotta go, I gotta go plow the dr-. So, what I'm saying is. So I chose to move to this place because of my love for the Rocky mountains. I love the snow. I love the beauty. I chose chose
1: to build a big house, not a little one.
0: I chose to do a big house with, uh, I don't need, I don't even know a quarter mile of driveways. We have different driveways through the thing. Sure. I chose to want those all plowed. I don't have to plow the whole thing. I could just plow on us to, to get us out the driveway. I want, I want them all plowed. I chose to put a stupid plow on my Jeep instead of just paying somebody to come do this. I chose it all, every single bit. I chose it. Poor me with the big, you know, upper half million dollar house. It's, it's asinine. And yet that's what I was doing. So that, there's the point of this show is looking at my own idiocy, real, my own backwards thinking, my own, here's a blessing, a blessing. Uh, That's right. and, I'm compl- and I'm complaining about it. I am not having gratitude and I'm speaking victim
1: speak. It's, it's, well, there the, you go, there we go. Cool. The cool part of that is you don't have to go back to school and get another degree. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to get a consultant. You can get up tomorrow morning and decide I'm going to change the words. I tell myself yeah. what power there is in words. I mean, the Bible talks about, you know, it's like the rudder of a ship. It, the, our tongue, you can get up and say, I get to go. I love the snow. I love where we live, what it's meant for our family. I get to go out the driveway instead of heading straight into work. I get to spend an hour out here playing in the snow, driving my Jeep, but it, it's, it may seem like a gimmick, but I think it's way more than that. I don't think it's just some kind of a mind game. This is not just some cheap little positive mental attitude. It's more than that. It changes our thinking when we change our words in that way. And I get to do everything that I do during the day.
0: That's what got me. I mean, that's what got me. And I am a hundred percent in agreement. This is, it's, I think I just brain training. We talk about neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to grow and change and evolve. And that I can literally change what I think by what I say. We all know that it's classic Zig. You can change who you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. And the biggest thing that goes into my mind is my own thoughts, my own voice. Uh, we had the, I did an interview. I don't think it's even published yet with, uh, Robin, uh, Robin Drake. I got to make sure I'm getting the Uh, No, it wasn't Robin Drake. It was, uh, Jared, uh, Horvath and he is a doctor works in neuroscience. And he was talking about that, how we can only listen to one voice at a time. And generally, if we're thinking about our own thoughts, thinking that's a voice, we can't listen to somebody else. And he's just doing the brain math of this, the brain science and that voice of my own telling myself that dictates that dad, I've had the kids say, Oh my gosh, it snowed. It's awesome. Oh, daddy. I'm so sorry. You have to go plow.
1: Uh Oh yeah. I've infected my family. They've heard that.
0: Yeah. Wow. And I take this on to so many things. As I was telling Terry, telling my wife this the other day and talking through this, and we had our our, our little guy who calls me grandpa over, and I'm going, oh my gosh, I got to change his diaper. Go, Wait a minute. Really? I had to change this blessing of of a kid who we pursued this lifestyle of seeking out some other lives to add to our family. We did that. Nobody forced us to do that. And I'm going to sit here and complain about, I chose it. I did. I mean, and that's what, that's what really got to me. And obviously there are things that happen to people uh, like you, you did not choose to have some guy drive your car to his house and and for a kid uh, to go that you did not choose that. You, You know what you did choose to have a high, you know, dollar car, and I know you got a good deal on yours, but you chose to have a you know fancier car, and and whatever. Sure. Somebody, if you had a junker, it wouldn't have mattered. But and I
1: and I I I park it at the farthest spot away in the parking lot, so I don't park <laughs> next to a door that's going to. Open, somebody's going to open the door, yeah. all those things. And then the kid backs into me. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So some <laughs> things, obviously we didn't choose, but as we know, you choose your reaction and you chose one very far different from the norm that gave you peace of mind. We could even say it was totally selfish. It may seem like it was nice to the guy, the mechanic, it may seem, and it was nice to the kid, but even if it wasn't, even if they were trying to sue you now because of your car it was too dark, which is probably possible if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh you chose it for you most of all and you're sitting here at peace today. That's what enamors me about this perspective of taking everything cuz the majority of everything that I could think of when I was when it first came to mind of I have to, I've got to, I need to, I can replace with I choose to. I want to.
1: I get I, to. I get Absolutely. To.
0: And what a, if we just look at that and say, what massive brain training. And I think in the intro to the show here, which I was already playing with, I'm not a big fan of the hack uh, terminology. Everybody wants to have, you know, the business hack, the brain hack, the whatever. But I thought, man, if there ever was a hack, this one speaks to it a little bit of the hack of just changing my words and how that changes my perspective. And again, puts the personal responsibility, but also gives me the power back to say, man, I chose this. I chose X, which, which, which equated to X, which equated X. And now I have this thing that may not be my favorite, but would I rather give up the house? Would I rather give up the car? Would I rather give up the relationship? Uh, would I ra- Yeah, that, I mean, how often am I irritated at the amount of responsibilities I have as a result of my large family? Well, you know, where should I have stopped at? Which kids should I have stopped to make my life easier today? Well, nowhere. Well, then quit talking like that. I can hear my dad saying, you need an attitude adjustment. Go listen to Zig Ziglar. (laughs)
1: That's right. Uh, You don't need to sit in the corner, but boy, you need an attitude adjustment. Friends, you are listening to The Ziegler Show and I bet
0: many of you are relating to my little self-inflicted tirade that I just talked about right there. Uh, But how often are we found complaining about the responsibilities from things that once may have been our greatest desires to attain? It's just a convicting perspective. Well, next in the episode here, my dad talks about the reality that we cannot control all of what happens around us, but we can control our choices to focus on and allow in. Most of the negative input. He shares a story about how he inadvertently started bringing some negative input into his own life. So I'm going to bring that to you right after I share some products and services I believe might be relevant for you.
1: Yep. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to get some positive input just to subtly realign your thinking. And I I do that. I mean, I do that today. If I find myself, uh, you know, discouraged or upset with something that's happening with Man, I find some positive input. I'm I'm not, last night we got home, we we had gone to a fundraiser. It was a beautiful, beautiful event. We came home and sat down and I just reached over and flipped on the TV. Well, it happened to be right at 10 o'clock and the news came on. Oh my gosh. We heard about, you know, the fifth murder or so and young girl being raped by her dad. And I looked over at Joanne and I said, I can't believe this crap. And I just, I turned the TV off. I th- I mean, we, we don't watch the news. It just happened. We're usually in bed before that anyway. But that, I don't want that coming into my brain. Do you know what? I can choose not to have it come into my brain. Can I stop all those bad things from happening? No. But I can choose to not let that infiltrate my brain so that it's top of mind, especially when I'm getting ready to go to bed at night. Not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I, I can control that. And
0: some of that... I think I want to extend a little grace to folks too, because here I am, Kevin Miller, host of the Ziggler Show. You know, we've been promoting that we just hit 40 million downloads and, and Congratulations. Thank, That's you, awesome. thank you. And the amount of positive input. I mean, I have one of the highest positive input lives there is. And yet the reality that I also can have difficult circumstances in my life. And from those, I can let myself fall. Let myself get into a rut and then wake up and thank God for waking up. I think that's, you know, that's where I need to renew my mind every morning and be further aware of this. I wish I had somebody who would, you know, rattle me a little bit and say, Kevin, 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 what happened, buddy? Listen to yourself. I need to re, you know, play a recorder back. And you're complaining about this and, and blaming this. What happened? That I, I'm i able to do that. I can still fall in there. We need to be auditing ourselves constantly to wake up to this. Because now here I am and going, geez. And then I'm, what you said, I can flip the switch. Absolutely. I, I really can.
1: Absolutely. If I, yeah. See, that, see that, that's, that's part of our discussion, obviously. We can choose to speak new words it will transform our feelings about ourselves and our opportunities for success. And, and that's why when people claim they are trapped, they have no control. It's like, you have no idea the control you have. Well, you can choose.
0: Yeah. Right, and uh, that's the curious thing. It, and it would almost be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I ask about this on Facebook, so we do have some Q and a, I want to hit a couple of them. And actually we've done such a good job, of hitting the ones where obviously there's a lot of people who are saying yes, yes, yes to this concept, even before we li- really laid it out, but had some people who are obviously struggling with it. And maybe I'll just pull, I'll pull those out. Um, because it's interesting. I think this is what I'm going to pose for the overall, of the show. If all of us would take those have to got to need two words and, and put them with, I choose, and then back that up. I choose to change the kid's diaper because I don't want poop on the floor. I, I, there's plenty of people around the world who wouldn't change the kid's diaper. He can poop where he wants to and they're going to do it. I don't want that. So I am choosing a cleaner home. I'm also choosing to care for this kid because I chose to get involved in this life that created this kid. And it does so often, how often would it not back up into a choice? And the worst case scenario, back to those things that where you really are, it, it, wasn't a, it was not a product of your choice because as people go down through this and list out 10 things that they're doing that I got you. I need to, uh, to, uh to, there's going to be a couple in there. They say, well, that wasn't my choice. If you can really get to that point, then at least we're back to where you were, where you get to choose your response.
1: Yes. When I mean, talk to CEOs who are making $700,000 a year. <laughs> they're miserable. They hate the life that they're living and they feel totally incapacitated. They feel totally trapped like they're going to derail everything in their life if they make a new decision. And I'm I'm just, and what I tell them is you're not trapped. You have amazing opportunity, a wide array of choices. You're choosing the life exactly as you have it today. Mm -hmm. And that's where sometimes, you know, people do resist that. Well, no, you know, all these things. Well, no, let's just back up. Let's just look at the choices you made along the way. And Andy Stanley has a book called the path where he talks about somebody who has a massive blow up in their life of some kind. It never happened in one day. We can trace the pattern back oftentimes for years to see choices that were made, decisions that were made all along the way that culminated in what just happened. But that, again, that's a positive thing because we can say, whatever my life is today, I can draw that line in the sand and I can make it dramatically different tomorrow by simply recognizing I have choices and perhaps changing one or two of those choices made.
0: You know what Dad I want to something you said there made me think of and as as we look at things that we tend to blame, how often do we blame relationships and blame people who may have gone south on us? We've all been in relationships where somebody really did take a bad turn. That other person really did take a bad turn and we got the brunt of whatever That does happen. But there's a book that I read. Uh, actually, it's a book that I, that I love called, uh, it's either Aware or Awareness by Anthony DeMello. Um, I think I got wind of it through Tim Ferriss, actually. All right. And there are, I've, I've underlined the majority of the book, but there's one in there that specifically talks about relationships. And in this aspect, it's talking about the kind of the X. Ex- boyfriend girlfriend husband wife type thing to where we are so used to the ex being the enemy the ex is is complete satan and whatever and he comes back he says that is the majority of the time in his experience the person is upset at themselves for not having better character judgment or not having seen the telltale signs of this person, you know, going, going bad way beforehand. They wanted to see what they wanted to see. They wanted to believe they made those choices and relationally. And I look back on my own. I don't have, thank goodness. I don't have a whole lot of relational strife, but in the handful of times that I can think of a being in union, usually in a work scenario with somebody who then I think they, they did wrong. Um, I mean they really did. I, I believe I go back there and I make a case, I think they did. But am I going to blame them? No, I because I can also look back and go, I went forward longer than I should have. I did not do my own due diligence. I hung on for my own self-interest further than I should. I let myself be in that place. Uh I wonder again how 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 relationally even when we look at that, it's as feeling like we have no control over another person. We have control over our participation with that person.
1: Well, that's that's a really big issue with a lot of people, where they stay in a work relationship, or friendship relationship, or whatever it happens to be, and they stay too long. Yeah. I mean, Henry Cloud, another friend of ours, you know, has the book Necessary Endings, where sometimes we need to choose to end a relationship and move on. So if somebody's in a toxic work environment, they need to choose to end that. I often have people um, make a list where we sit down and we look at what is it you have control over? What is it over which you have no control? Let's start with that. You may not be able to change the company culture or to change what a jerk the boss is, but you can choose whether or not you're going to go back there tomorrow or whether or not you're going to create a 48-day plan to be out of there with a new job that gives you a better opportunity. Okay. So let's hit
0: that though. Cause of course, you know, the feedback from that response is often going to be, no, I can't because I'm reliant on that money to pay for my life. To which case let's bring in our old buddy, Dave Ramsey He would say, Oh, so you haven't built up your emergency fund. You've been living to the extent of your finances. You chose to do that. You chose to be talking to me on that thousand dollar new iPhone. Uh, I think it's really I mean, pretty hard for some, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten that though. I can't dad and Dan, no, I can't. I can't, I got to have the money. I can't give up that money. I owe it to my family. We put the impetus on our family, which man, I can do that as well. Put the have tos on the taking care of and providing for my family. When in truth, the majority of it is, well, my family's my choice. They didn't just come here for no reason. I participated in those.
1: I, I worked with a, with a pastor just recently, 59 years old, PhD Southern Baptist pastor. He was so tired of the unrealistic demands and expectations of being a pastor in a church today. Big church, he was tired of it. Four months ago, he stood up on a Sunday morning and resigned. No, no big deal, no, no incident, nothing like that at all. He just was that worn out. And he thought, man, I just screwed up everything I've ever worked for. I have a PhD from seminary, and now I gave up the only career I've ever known you know, what, am, what in the world am I going to do? We looked at his life. He came to me, just a really great guy, just gentle spirit. And we looked at what is it that you do really well? Obviously, as a pastor, you were required to do 30 different things. What are the two or three that you really enjoyed? Well, he enjoyed being in the pulpit and exhorting, encouraging, persuading, motivating people. I said, wow, you'd be great just doing like seminars and workshops, just training people. He said, oh, I'd love doing that what we did, I said, surely you have content in all your years of pastoring where we could pull out three or four content areas that you could develop into workshops with application in businesses. He said, yes. Well, he got bogged down on that. I said, let's not even make it that difficult. We don't have to. I said, let's find a company out here. There's lots of them. Fred Pryor, Pageant Thompson, training registry, AMA. There's all kinds of companies that provide these workshops where they send out hundred thousand flyers in your area there in Colorado Springs. And on a given Tuesday, they have 85 people sitting in a room who want to know about how to deal with difficult people in the workplace. They need a facilitator to come in and do that. That's what this guy does. Hmm. He got a contract immediately with one of those companies to do 10 days a month where he would be walking into the room and doing what I just described. He feels like he's on vacation, 10 days a month, no weekends, I'm, no weekends, no evenings, nobody calling him at 3 a.m. because their teenager didn't come home. He simply walks in the room, does what he loves doing, still using God's gift to him to motivate and encourage and inspire other people. Gets paid two grand a day for doing that. You know, the company's going to make big bucks and doing that. He gets two grand, 10 days a month. He's making more money than he ever dreamed of making in his former position. He thought he was sabotaging everything he'd worked for. He thought he was trapped and he walked into the most refreshing and financially rewarding season of his life. You said the
0: word trapped in that story, which, and I love those stories that I, I, you have no idea how often I relate those, whether it's on the show or in person, The, the stories that I heard have heard from you of people you've worked with and changing that paradigm. And how often is that, from that trapped perspective. Cause you know, I, I again, I understand that. I, I want to put that out there that folks I'm, I'm, we're having this show because of my own epiphany about myself, obviously being privy to a lot of people's stories and stuff, but just realizing this exists in me and I am acting like I am trapped and I know it's ridiculous. I think that's the big thing, dad too. I know I can, I can sit down on any given morning and on my back deck in the sunshine and think I'm, I'm the wealthiest guy alive. A billion dollars in the bank would not I could not make this moment any better. I could not make the reality of my life any better. And yet I'm still under this attitude of feeling trapped by the back to Mark Batterson's things, the blessings add more responsibility, however you want to put it. Wow.
1: Boy, that's a slippery slope. If you want to avoid those complications, it's like, if you never want to be criticized, do nothing, have nothing, be nothing, say nothing. You'll never be criticized. But if you want to do something significant, it's going to draw fire from other people who want to pull you down. In the same way, having more things, having a higher level of success, whether it's opportunities to speak, coach, train, whatever, or have material possessions, you better believe it, they come with complications. But we're right back to where we started. Would you choose not to? Are you kidding me? I mean, live in a mud hut somewhere in the middle of a cow pasture, you don't have a lot of complications, but you don't have a those. That sense of enjoyment that you just described, either,
0: and it brings out that kind of the "be careful what you ask for." I guess because here's a, <laughs> I, I was thinking I've I've really been uh, frustrated with myself sometimes for being sought. Here, here's a good one sought. I'm sure you have too, uh, maybe not sought after for advice on something. Who does not want to be asked for advice? I mean, talk about a dopamine high, man. We all want to be asked about ourselves. We want to be asked for advice. And you could, you could imagine the person wishing that they could have influence, wishing they could share a message, wishing they had a stage, wishing they had an audience or influence. And then five years down the road, they pop up their email or pop up whatever, and somebody's asking for their wisdom. And they go, oh, seriously, another one? I mean, how does that happen right. to us? Uh, or they,
1: they, they close off comments on their yeah. blogs. Cause they don't want to have to relate to people. Yep. I see it a lot.
0: Well, again, so we're talking about humanity folks, which is, you know, from a faith-based standpoint, we are, we need, we're trying to be above the norm. We're trying to have peace, be all understanding. We're trying to have these blessings and deal with the response, but the resulting responsibilities well, because how many people out there with an enviable life, especially globally, Uh, are feeling trapped, are frustrated with the responsibilities, the duties of our wealth, our our blessings, back to Mark Batterson, of our blessings. Are we really in a place where, going back to what you said, dad, what's the opposite of that? And I'm thinking about some homeless guy living in a tent down in Colorado Springs, which we see him a lot. They've got their little tent village in their cardboard box. They don't have any have tos. They don't have that's to. Go. Right. They don't have any got tos, man. They are the only thing they probably say. I got to is I got to go pee. You know, that's maybe it. <laughs> they don't even have to eat half the time.
1: They're nothing. They, are, they aren't going to say, Oh, I have to get the hot water heater replaced. Gee, I have to change oil in the Lexus. Yeah, they don't have those challenges.
0: That would Guess be the, what? <laughs> it'd be like the first world problems. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're having problems with your cell phone service. Poor you on your thousand dollar phone. Go. It really is. And I don't mean to poke fun at the at the real hardships because I still have a day. I am right now at 48 years old on October 23rd, 2019. Right now, I've got responsibilities that I don't have the answers for. I have realities in my life that a lot of, I, I'm finding myself a lot lately going, man, I am not sure. God, give me wisdom. Help me seek wisdom from other people because I am, I am not sure. And this is weighty. So I'm not making light of these at all but my gosh, my attitude towards us. Well, this is back to the, uh, I just talked about this with my boys last night, that the positive thinking, as Zig says, won't let you do anything, but it'll let you do everything better than negative thinking will. So if we take that to this, that the saying I choose and really getting into that, backing into that and to get to realize that for the most part, we are
1: choosing uh, is powerful. You know, one of the things that we probably ought to, recognizes with more opportunity, there do come more challenges. And with that, we can easily see those little things that creep in where we all of a sudden are saying, I have to, gee, I have to go see my financial planner because I got another million dollars. I'm not sure what to do with, are you kidding me? (laughs) But so many of those things, yeah, those have tos are based on the life that we have chosen to live, the life that we get to live.
0: So maybe a, a relevant part of this is if somebody finds themselves in a lifestyle today that they do feel overwhelmed by, that they are struggling to even make this shift with, maybe it's a call to, what is it, M- Mary, Marie Kondo? What is it? What is her thing? The, the simplify thing? The, uh, simplify, absolutely. The clutter thing? Yeah, to simplify. Get rid of things that don't bring you joy. Sure. I, sure, because if I feel like it's too big of an issue to take care of my oversized house, we have the ability to get a smaller house nobody now not my kids don't want it and I don't want it I don't want the kids all on top of me but I, I could make that choice if I'm dealing with cars too often I think we have six in our driveway right now full-time get rid of some of them some of them I've got if a couple you, yeah
1: you could reduce cars by moving in town you're in a beautiful little sure, town there sure if you don't want a s- snow plow buy a little house that's right next to a sidewalk. You, you can redo it. You can get rid of that obligation.
0: And even, of course, Terry's told me to just hire somebody to plow it, but I feel guilty because I bought and put a plow on my Jeep that the only reason we have that extra car is for a plow. And so I'm, I'm still there stuck with my choice, uh-huh. uh, suffering from my own choice or lack thereof, uh, making a choice. Uh, so it is, I mean, this is a good time to audit can we say, maybe that's the point is you've got to get, we've got to get ourselves to a place in our lives where we can viably say, I choose to the things that I'm doing. And if we can't really question whether we should be doing those.
1: There there are things in my life that I wish I could change where I feel incapacitated and powerless. Okay. Now, there, as an example, I'm dealing with the County right now, right? Uh, they say that one of our properties in, is in codes violation. It's really ridiculous argument. I've got attorneys who are saying this is stupid, you know, this shouldn't be, but it is what it is. It's required an immense amount of time and money in this situation. It's really frustrating. I can't just go in and make that all okay. I don't mean to imply that when we talk about our having choice, that we can just fix anything in our life. I But... You know what I do get to choose is my attitude, my response. Do I get up every morning, ticked off at the county, and spend my day frustrated, uptight, muscle cramps? No. I'm going to get out just like you described. Get out there, sit on the porch, listen to the birds. Golly, we were we had a bunch of people here uh, just this last weekend. We were sitting there, and we were talking about a particular aspect of God's goodness to us, and the wind chime just all of a sudden just kind of exploded and it was just like, there was a breath of air that came and we all, I mean, we stopped and just sat there in amazement because there was something that just happened. It was so hard to, I get to live that kind of a life, even in the midst of these things that I wish I could change. Yes. But I'm not going to immerse myself in feeling in, in capable, feeling trapped by those few things in my life. I'm going to choose the areas of my life that are so rich and full.
0: Well, and you're and you're coming back to this thing that we see. I think gratefully so, and and time, uh, timely for today's era where we are seeing so much negative. We are seeing so much depression and despondence and hopelessness of pulling us back to gratitude. And in our family, we laugh a lot about it, but it's because it's so poignant. And I think it hurts sometimes is our complaining about our first world problems, which I was brought to that arena by some funny video about my new iPhone is too big to fit in my skinny jeans and all this funny stuff about my first world problems, which would be you. Oh, Dan, so you're having problems with codes on your, how many acres of your beautiful property, you know, it, it, we can kind of laugh. I mean, it stinks. It really does. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an issue, but my gosh, it's, this is where the comparison, we talk about the errancy of comparison to the Facebook, the Instagram affluence and happiness that everybody shines and it. it can often make us all feel inferior or, uh, or, or envious or whatever. But if we could do that with our problems as well, and think about the place that we are in as a compared to someone else who has so far less, who would be so grateful to have that problem amidst that blessing. Absolutely. Well, you know, we've, we've, there are a couple uh, there's lots of responses and folks, if you want to go look at them, uh, you can read a bunch of responses to the question that I put up, which we haven't really even addressed there. I, I do want to address a couple, but the posting was Tuesday, October 22nd, uh, 2019 on my Facebook page. You can go read a lot here. And a lot of people responded with, yes, I have been working on doing that and how much it has changed my life. So there's a lot of uh, testimony to doing this and even looking at, well, even here, Elizabeth Sickler, here's one. Uh, I've been working on saying I get to, and someone asked me if I was being sarcastic when it had to do with updating curriculum maps. And I explained that I wouldn't get to if we didn't have the blessing of new textbooks. I've been trying to remind myself that even if the task isn't directly something I enjoy, there's something still good in it. I mean, grading, I get to see my kids growth since the beginning of the chapter. I get to advise them on that on what they will still need to work on. That's classic what we were talking about, dad, um, of looking and going, yeah, okay. Here's a ta- I like how she puts that, uh, that blessing may include a task that I do not like that much, but I wouldn't give up the circumstance for it.
1: You know, Kevin, when you were, when you were a little boy, you were about four years old. I went back to graduate school to get my master's degree. And we lived in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We moved into We we had had a nice house up in Ohio, and I had a JAG XKE coupe, sold all that. We moved into a drafty old house there in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I remember that green paint. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I worked off the rent for the two years we were there by doing improvements on the house for our precious landlord, Mrs. Kuhn. But during that period of time, you know, I'm a car guy. I drove a Plymouth Satellite. It was gold with a significant amount of red rust on it. Hmm. I had purchased it at an estate auction from a neighbor of ours up in Ohio. I knew the car had been maintained well, even though it was pretty rusty, and I paid $600 for it. We drove that for the two years we were there. Hmm. I mean, there is nothing. I mean, I remember it so clearly because it was probably the ugliest car I ever owned in my life. I didn't feel trapped. I had chosen to do that. Because I knew that it was a season of life that was opening the door for even better things, so I rode a fifty-dollar bicycle back and forth to classes until a kid we had to live with us stole it and left it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you know, I mean, what we laugh about that. It's been a great story. He took my guitar and my bicycle and I, left down. I, I remember,
0: I remember the guitar. Yeah, Yep. There so
1: you, go. you know, do I get up the next morning? Oh man, you poor, poor me. Well, no, I just, it's a choice to be made, but it just has no useful, usefulness to me as an individual. Yeah. And so I just, I just make that choice. The choice is so easy to make. What kind of response I'm going to have.
0: You know, you saw this too. And one of the responses to this question was simply, um, when I asked about when I asked this question, it, it, the guy said, if you want to lie to yourself. And I thought that's worth addressing because that's very real because there are so many people, again, we're back to the trap thing of looking at our life and saying, no, I, I would be li- I could, sure. I can Pollyanna it and say, I choose to, but I don't, I did not choose this. And especially when people have come from hard circumstances where they were victimized, I, I can understand that. I think we all can. And I, and I know neither of us are trying to minimize tragedy and trauma in that, But we're still back to, I, I still would cite that generally, even in our circumstances, if we backtrack, we will find that wherever we are is according to choices that we have made. This, it goes back to that question that I asked for a show a couple weeks ago of, do you believe your life, your circumstances are a product of your decisions or not? And that's a hard That's a hard issue to deal with. And yet we know the power of it. I guess that is as much as anything, dad, is just talking about the power this issue has in our lives. And again, here I am, brought this up, not because I've arrived, folks, but because I realized that this has seeped into my life.
1: Well, let's let's take that statement that you shared there. One of your readers said, yeah, you can change, I have to, I've got to, I need to, with, I want to, if you want to lie to yourself. So let's say that I get up, tomorrow morning and I have a toothache and I think, Oh my gosh, you know, I've got actually, I'm supposed to fly to Chicago tomorrow morning. I think this is going to mess up my plans. And here I am. I have to go to the dentist. Am I lying to myself by saying I want to go to the dentist? I don't think so. I'm not lying to myself. I get to go to the dentist because I've got this toothache if it even if it interrupts other plans that i've got i get to and it just it frames the spirit of my day in doing that and i don't again think it's just some phony kind of psychological trick to do that i think it's just creating a better world for ourselves on every aspect
0: well and then you're getting into the deep waters of what is reality uh, of course is it uh, is it a fact that we each take our our shot at deciphering or translating, uh, what it really is or not. And, and to a point, sure, you have a toothache and you could be upset about that, that it's going to jeopardize your flight to go to Chicago to do something amazing that you can afford to do. Uh, if we step back with the big picture and frame that, yeah, how could you be upset? It really is dramatic, even though we all understand it in that moment. And we should hit that in that moment when you wake up the to toothache, you don't immediately smile. You're not that good. You don't immediately right.
1: smile and go, yippee. And I don't say, thank you, God. You know, I don't go to, right. I don't do that. No. Right. But I can express gratitude. The fact that I live where I do, that I have a relationship with a dentist where I can get in immediately. I mean, I, I can go through a long list of things that I'm grateful for in that moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Mary, it's just to, to testify to the spirit of what we're talking about here. Mary Ann shut. She says, yes, I believe it's possible and it takes work. It takes a, it's a paradigm shift in how we think we use post-its. She's referring to herself. She uses post-it notes in her house. And a recent one we wrote and put on the wall was I get to so many awesome. of the things. What, what's that?
1: Awesome. Yeah. So many Love of the it.
0: things she says we complain about or struggle through truly are blessings, how we talk trains our mind. It's the same thing with removing, but from our conversations, uh, which is interesting. So my, my business partner, Randy James, doctor, your doctor, Dr. Randy James, he is great with doing that because I will often, uh, you know, I can get a little outlandish in my thoughts and my ideas and I'll get, I'll get rolling and he'll go, yes, And, and, and I love it. I love the effort that he's making and not saying, but when he's here, I mean, his, and his hair's standing back on the back of his neck when he thinks we're going to take a big risk. Uh, but that is, and the power of what we say, I mean, this brings us back to Zig Ziglar's self-talk affirmations, looking in the mirror, speaking to ourselves and what you started off the show with that brain training, that this is training our brain doesn't mean we don't make changes in our circumstances, But amongst our, amongst what we've got, how can we retrain our brain and our paradigm?
1: (laughs) You know, you've got to get to Jennifer Meisel's. I love her. Where? You read it. Read it. Oh, Jennifer Meisel. Is this Jennifer Meisel? Yes, it is.
0: Yes, it is. You know, my
1: gosh, that's Awesome. Goodness, I knew her when she was born. She says, I might be a Debbie Downer here, but my overwhelming thought on using I get to for a task that I think is mundane or that I need to do and really don't want to do takes away those special real moments that I really do get to do something. Kind of like my pet peeve when everyone thinks something is amazing when it's really just a cup of coffee. Is it really amazing? (laughs) I think I'm a lot more comfortable with I choose to or I'll I'll save I get to when I mean it. This is coming from someone who is a positive glass half full person. Guy, I love that twist. Yeah, we can we can lose the uniqueness, the specialness of I get to if we overuse it in ordinary situations. I, I you know, I, I love her point, mm-hmm. but i'm I'm gonna take that risk as opposed to the alternative, meaning I wow in that feeling of I have to. I'm gonna wear out my what I get to. I get to stand up. I get to walk outside. I get to go over the house and get a granola bar. I mean, I'm going to wear that out because it just enlivens my whole life. It's funny she does say
0: that because we've done that as a family with awesome. You know, everything is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's awesome. Really, it's it's awe, awe, awe. I mean, that's like the sunrise. That's like the the glory of God. It's everything that cup of coffee is awesome. Uh, But uh, it's true. We are in a world I think is. We so, how do you, how do you even define that? We, we overuse the exclamations to where it's hard to really bring out the glory. How do you, how do you refer to even the love? Oh, I love coffee. Really? And you love your wife. Same thing.
1: Yeah. An apple pie.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So we read, uh, just so people know, I thought this was worth putting out there just to know that folks, if you want to have a platform and try to influence people and put things out that you believe in, you'll probably get one of these. Uh, a guy named Christopher, he says, I, I have to, and I've got to, they're the same. I need to disassociate myself with BS gurus. I want to unlike this post, but Facebook won't <laughs> allow that. Any insights, master? <laughs> not at all, Christopher, not for you, brother. I don't have one insight, uh, but there you go, folks. <laughs> that, that will happen to you too, if you put yourself out there.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Well, you, you know, the, the thing is, it's, it's like people, when I go to a book on Amazon and they have nothing but five-star reviews. I kind of cringe because I think the book hasn't sold to anybody but their family and friends. If you get it out to any size audience at all, you're going to get fours and threes and twos and ones in your reviews. Just like this, if you raise a question and every single person says, oh, you're right, you might have wasted your time in bringing up the issue. But to have a Christopher in there that says, "Man, this is <laughs> self-help BS." <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Hey, I learned that. I learned that with you, Dad. I learned that back when you were first building your email list, and I think getting replies back. And I remember some who, right at the bat, uh, it's when I was working with you, and so I felt responsible for some of this too. And they'd write back questioning your Christianity. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I would respond a lot uh, a lot of the times to them. But it, I learned well, and I'm sure you—you know—it's because you—you told me that. Said, so, "Hey, if you don't—if you want to be safe, let's go back to the thing. You don't want any responsibilities. No, I got to. I need to. Is then live in a cardboard box. And sure. uh, if you're going to get out and speak anything, I, yeah, same thing, man. I, I look at some of the top podcasters frequently, and look at their reviews, and I'll pull up their negative reviews, and they all have them within the past week. You find these big folks, and they—I mean, it's scathing, absolutely scathing. Sure. I think it's, that's. That is great though. It's interesting. You you mentioned the Amazon reviews I have when I've seen negative ones, um, or gotten them, gosh, what have I gotten on myself? A negative reviews, you know, on iTunes or something about the show or whatever. If you can, if you're in a place where you can click on that person and see other reviews that they have done generally, yeah. Generally you get a negative review. You'll see that that's all they give.
1: That's all they give. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They are the real Debbie Downers out there. They're just trying to crap on everybody they can get in contact with. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: Here, here's another one that I pulled out that uh, David story. He says, uh, I want to, but do I have to? And somebody put a little smiley face next to that. And I thought, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I want to say that I want to, but do I have to. Uh, it's funny, but it's really belying because if you feel like that, it's probably the reality is he wants to want to. And how often does that happen? I want to want to do that. I really don't, though. I'm really not that committed to it. I want to, uh, you know, it'd be like food, you know, in my life of the food Nazi family and stuff. Oh, dad, I really, I really want raw carrots instead of that donut. <laughs> you know? And that's the joke. Well, you kind of want to want to, but in reality, man, I do not want that as opposed to that. And there is some of that truth in our lives, but we got, again, look at it. What do we want? What's the end goal? Do I want to give up my health for the donuts? That's right. really, it's
1: pretty easy trail to follow in that example you just gave. Yeah. Do you really want to do that? Now again, it comes back to the freedom of choice that we have. We could use that freedom of choice to our own detriment. And that's a positive outcome. I mean, it's a positive possibility. But in the same thing, I mean, if you really want to not have to be confronted with these choices, go to jail, golly, all the food you want to eat, place to sleep every night, you know, no responsibilities, and you can do that. But as soon as we're not in that kind of a restrictive environment, we're going to have choices that we get to make.
0: Yeah. Hey, this is one I pulled out because Jennifer Harshman, who you know. Yes. Uh, She put in here, she said, I get to, I choose to, I'm honored to. And in the case of most of the work I do for my clients, I'm thrilled to. So I like that because I have a pet peeve and I didn't get it on my own. I think it was Maybe it's your fault. You gave it to me or somebody else who just expounded on this tendency that we have to have in our culture of responding to somebody saying, thank you with no problem. Oh my gosh. Yeah. wears me out, man. I, I just, oh. I, I have such a soapbox on that one. When, when I go to someplace, choose to give them my money for their product or service. I say, thank you, which in a sense, why would I have to, they're, they're doing their job, but I say, thank you. And I get a no problem, which co- conversely means it could have been a problem for me to yeah. come here and purchase. Yeah. 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 So I love I her perspective.
1: Not a problem. So I've talked with that
0: with employees here. Hey, let's respond with, uh, of course, of you're welcome or even better. Oh my gosh. And I found this is the one that I do. I'm honored to. That's what we're here for.
1: Well, swing through Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure Ah. every single time. That's part of their culture. And it may have a little bit to do with the fact that the average Chick-fil-A grosses twice what the average McDonald's does, even though they're only open six days a week goodness. It's my pleasure. And what has
0: that done for the programming of that kid with his minimum wage or whatever they make job there who has to respond to that? There's no way that doesn't bleed over into the rest of his life. Totally. Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the whole culture of Chick-fil-A, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dan Cathy recently. Oh, that's
0: right. That's right.
1: Yeah. But you know, the whole culture is that they're training young, impressionable teenagers and releasing them to the world, where Mm. the ripple effect is just incalculable. You know, not trying to bring people in and put handcuffs on them and keep them there for 40 years. It's not that kind of environment. Yeah, they're trained in those simple life principles like we're talking about here, life hacks, if you want to use that Mm. word, that we're talking about right here, and then putting those people out where it'll change their perspective of the world forever.
0: And in that sense, that's why I am am surprised at... That to exist with Chick-fil-A from Dan Cathy, why wouldn't every other fast food restaurant comparable company do that? That's what blows me away when I go in there. And obviously there's been zero training. I mean, these kids got to do what, they, what they're told to do and that they have to say, do you want fries with that? They say, do you want fries with that? And if you told them to say, hey, it's my honor, it's my pleasure, they would do that. Why does that not happen when you've got a shining example? It is... It's just it's it's mind blowing how rare it is. Which again, we're back to the focus here that we are talking about being weird, folks. We're talking about being abnormal, about being supernatural. To look at our lives and to take away the I have to, I need to, I must, I whatever, and I'm here doing it my own life and just changing my. And I have to be aware of it. And the, the thing is, it's so hard. Somebody wrote you have here. Have to be aware of it. What's that? I have, I have to be aware I get, see, that's exactly what I was going to get to though. It's so habitual. And somebody talked about that. Somebody said something, uh, I'm scrolling down here, but just talked about that. It's, um, it's getting to be, uh, I'm not finding it that it's getting to be a habit. I think is what they said that they're trying to do it and it's getting to be a habit. That's the biggest issue. And so, as I've talked about this with the family, I think we said this, but we haven't really taken hold of it to call each other out on it. Uh, no different than you did when I was a kid. Yeah. I think you did to all of us. When we would say, I, we didn't say like today, the word is like, that's what kids like, you know, I was like doing this and like, they didn't do that back then. It was, you know, I think was the primary one uh-huh. and, uh, or like, you know, and
1: well, you would, would happen- call us out. What would happen when you'd say, I can't are we Americans or Americans? There you go. Yep, yep, there we go. I'll never forget it. Uh, there you go here, here you are 48 years old. And you remember those things We taught you when you were four years old. Just simple little hacks, if you would, but principles that just take root in your life and affect you 40 years later. And you,
0: you drill, you, you taught me in that. And today I have gotten, I don't know how many times I have heard that. Cause if I listen to myself, that's what I hear is, um, you're like the rare one. I hear the, um, or like, you know, or I have the tendency to speed up and start talking too fast, but I hear testimony so often from people about how well I speak and how I don't say those things. So those have be, I've, I've drilled those into habit to some standpoint Good. to do this though. is going to take that as well to in my house for us each to, to take the, what'd you say? I get just like what you did to me. Are uh, you, you have to? Uh, I I need to, I've got to,
1: you have to pay attention. No, you get to,
0: it's common vernacular. And I, and I I want people to hear too, though, that this is not just, again, this is not just semantics because it is, it's gotten to be common vernacular, just like that. Really seriously. You're going to get upset with somebody for saying no problem. You know, they mean, well, I I do, but it still
1: matters. It matters. Yeah. Yes. I had, um, a young lady who is very well known in our world podcasting world i listened to her podcast recently and i emailed her and i said look as your mentor and i am i said i want you to listen to your podcast i know that she's an animal lover she's very active in her local humane society for animals i said i want you to listen to your podcast and i want you to commit two dollars to donate to your local cat shelter for every time you say like ah wow she had a forty-five minute podcast. She accepted the challenge. wasn't offended. She accepted the challenge. Texted me a couple of days later. She said, "Those cats aren't going to be hungry for a while." Eighty-two <laughs> times. Oh my gosh! In a forty-five minute podcast. She said, oh my what? goodness! It's one of those little verbal things that creeps in to our vernacular that we sometimes are not even aware of. Yeah. We had
0: somebody we listened to the other night and I, I just about couldn't get past the amount. Ima- it was, um, every, uh-huh. and it was celebrities. It was celebrities answering a question and they literally, the question was answered and almost, I, I really, it was almost a hundred percent. They asked the question and they would go, um, blue. Mm-hmm. And so said, um, but, and the fact that I mean these, these are people and they're used to what we came to though. What was interesting is they're used. These were actors and actresses. They're used to scripts mm-hmm. and they can do that well, but you put them on the spot and it's amazing to see how many, so again, back to habit for us to Come really right. embrace this. I've got to, I have to, I need to, is going to be significant, which I think is belies part of the point here. It is so ingrained in us, but those are I want to come back to what we talked about. Those are, is, is there a better word to say? Those are, those are victim words. Those are it, trapped words.
1: They are. Okay. It, it, we're giving away our power.
0: Giving away our power. Yeah.
1: That's and great. if we, and we can easily ask those who are around us, who are close to us, just to help remind us when they hear us, be that our kids or spouse, coworkers, if you really want to change it, get people to point it out because you may not be aware how pervasive it is in what you're saying to yourself. And so you can create a new habit very quickly by doing that. And I maintain back to the beginning, yeah, that it'll, it'll change your whole feeling about the life you're living. If you recognize you're making choices rather than feeling victimized by things you have to do.
0: I I just wrote that down. I think I'll take that home to the family tonight. Uh, That's a way that we can remind each other when somebody says that to say, Hey, Hey, you just gave away your power. Yep. And bring them back because I can see my boys, you know, talking about there's there so many, my middle school boys are so many things that they do feel like they have to do. They didn't oh. choose this house that they have to mow that big yard. They didn't choose, have this many rooms, this many trash cans. And I can I can, you know, I, I get <laughs> sympathized with that. I remember you, man, I didn't choose that. That was, I should have said that because my kids, we don't mow a whole lot here. That was mine when you would have me go mow the yard instead of going yeah, off my way, i didn't choose this i'm a, i i i vowed i would have a condo uh and i'm never going to have a yard I have to mow this stupid thing i didn't choose that but uh man that is trap thinking i didn't it was
1: building up your
0: legs for better bicycle <laughs> racing apparently that worked it didn't it didn't uh, cause me to go to a house with green grass now we just have weeds <laughs> Well, hey, I this is and this is why I wanted to do it with you dad. Again, back to that that uh, what a gift to me because the no excuses, the no the no blame, the taking responsibility for your life. I witnessed that in you and and in mom. And um man, it it made an impact on me to where that is not very much a part of my life, never has. And I think real quick, I I would say, and I think if we heard this, we talked about blame and victimization. There's a lot of people say, no, I don't, I don't do that. And I would say generally I don't either, as far as blaming people or blaming people, especially. And I would say, I don't blame my circumstances either. But then if I'm speaking, I've got to, I have to, I, I, by proxy am. And it was, it has been, I'm going to say it has been infecting my mind, it's been infecting my attitude. It's been infecting my demeanor. It's been stealing away from my gratitude that I am absolutely even uh, amidst all that I'm aware of and questioning how on earth could I I have no right to be down about anything and yet I'm struggling with this. What's going on? How much of it has to do with the words, the primary input I'm giving myself,
1: which is my own and, words. And you frame that really well. And the primary input you're giving yourself is yourself speak Yeah. it's your thoughts, your words, your actions. yep, absolutely.
0: All right, well, so most of this show is your fault I, I'm gonna, <laughs> that's what i'm going to title it. This shows my dad's fault my dad's
1: fault. <laughs> blame him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, hey, I hope this spoke to folks, Dad. Thanks for uh, for doing this. Thanks for oh, what a delight. Thanks for the reality that I'm here and even aware of the issue in my own life, much to do with my early programming and attitude adjustments from you via Zig and everybody else. Uh, thanks, Dad.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Kevin.
0: Well, friends, so how do you think you're doing with your own victim speaking? How often during a given day are you saying, I have to, I've got to, I need to, or some variation? And again, can you hear that tone? I've got, I got to go do whatever. Chances are it's really often, it's well entrenched in your mind. It is a habit. And uh, remember again, what I added to the intro, intro, that when you're talking to other people, and you're used to saying that, hey, I got to go do whatever. It does feel odd to say, um, I choose to go get lunch now. I choose to go to the meeting, whatever, or I get to. So just to simply say, hey, I'm going to go do whatever. I'm just, I'm going to go do this. Uh, not I have to, I've got to, uh, but not weird again. So just, I'm going to go do whatever. That change alone will make you pause and, and you will think differently about those things you are going to go do. Well, coming up next Episode 729, letting go of that first waking anxiety. So boom, you wake up in the morning and often the first conscious thought is a worry, concern or anxiety. It sounds negative to say that, but I think it's just human nature. It's how our minds work to first deal with that you know, initial threat, any threat, but it's just not an optimal way to start the day. And if we hold on to that worry, which we're prone to do, it will likely taint the whole day. So Neil Prasrich's tactic is to take that thought captive in the first seconds of his day, right away, boom, and let it go. He writes it down in his journal to get it out of his head. Uh, Then he also writes down something he's grateful for. And then he writes down something he will focus on for that day. He calls this his two-minute morning and actually sells a journal by that name that's a bestseller. Well, Neil was our guest in show 727 where the topic was to quit living a fragile life. And I encourage you to visit neil.blog, subscribe to his podcast, Three Books with Neil Pasricha. You can get his just-released new book, You Are Awesome, uh, along with that blog, Two-Minute Morning, at neil.blog or or again wherever you buy books of course. Uh, So this is our habits episode and that right there was the focus of his mental spoke where he shared again his waking routine that kickstarts his day. So you're going to hear more about that and his other habits and the other spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life in this show. Till then folks thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.